Hi, welcome to the Integrative Health Podcast with Dr. Jen Flegar. This podcast is meant to educate and empower about important health topics. Dr. Jen's passion is to get to the root cause of disease and prevent illness. She will also feature guests who are experts in their fields and experiences in all things related to integrative medicine. Hello, this is Dr. Jen. Welcome back to the Integrative Health Podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and give a five-star review and share with your friends. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Hello, welcome back to the Integrative Health Podcast. So I'm Dr. Jen, and today we're going to talk about some cool things because we have Annie Salzberg here, and she is a mother. So I love talking to people in the nutrition space that are actual mothers because they know what goes on because as we all know it is not easy so for over more than 20 years annie has been a dynamic force with the health and wellness community she initially worked in medical research she identified a glaring oversight the insufficient emphasis on lifestyle and nutrition driven by her desire to make a difference she honed her skills to become a naturopathic doctor a shift that allowed her to merge her medical knowledge with holistic approach to healing Then she wanted more growth, so then Annie pursued a master's degree in nutritional sciences. In her inherent ability to view product marketing communications through the lens of her diverse experiences, which we'll talk about today, brought an unparalleled edge to the nutrition consumer packaged goods sector. Over the past decade, her leadership has guided marketing teams to achieve their goals, and currently she's the chief officer, marketing officer at Drink Ramp company, where she continues to spearhead innovative and excellence. So this is amazing. She has been in radios, television programs, and as an authority on child nutrition. And as I said, she is a mother. She's a mother of two. And we are so excited to have her today. Welcome, Annie, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Jen. This is a a real treat. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, okay. So you have your master's and you're a naturopathic doctor. I did not know both of those. We've been emailing back and forth. Uh, I love her company. So this is so great. So tell me a little bit about how you, first of all, like, when did you do all this school? Did you have two children? You said you had a 15 year old. So tell us a little bit, just how, how you got to where you are and how you managed it all. Oh, sure. Yeah. I love, I mean, I think that, um, Anyways, yes, we can sort of get get into it. I, you know, a lot of my education happened pre kids, and some of it, the masters happened post kids. Um, so yeah, I, as as you mentioned in my bio, I started my career actually thinking I was going to be a little bit more um, academic exclusively. I was I was working in research in hospitals, and it was sort of like everything I thought it would be and wanted it to be. But as you mentioned, it was like there was some pieces that were really missing. I was working in women's health. I was working in um, uh, pediatric health and psychology. I was working uh, eventually with the osteoporosis program and we were talking to all these patients doing these intakes and like nobody was asking them about what they ate. And I just like couldn't believe it. <laughs> I mean, again, this is like in 1999. So it was, you know, well over 20 years ago. Um, but yeah, it was a huge piece. So that was when in the early 2000s, that's when I decided to um, expand my horizons. And really, I had been using a lot of, at the time, which was considered like very alternative, um, natural modalities. And and I wanted to learn more. And I wanted to um, work with patients in that way. I'd seen a lot of the medical doctors in the hospital, and I have so much respect for the profession and what they do. uh, But I didn't see myself doing that. 
I wanted to be able to talk about lifestyle and nutrition. So in the early 2000s, I pursued um, naturopathic medicine. Um, graduating in 2005, I worked for a number of years. I had a private practice for almost 10 years, um, but always was doing, from the time I graduated, work in the natural product industry. So I was doing a lot of consulting on product formulations, um, as well as working with some big distributors of natural products. So I always had my hand kind of in that space and found it really fascinating and learned pretty quickly uh, and this is something that you alluded to before we started recording, uh, that there's not every company's the same. You know, there's different standards in the industry. There's different, you know, third-party testing opportunities. And every company has their own internal standards as well. So it was pretty eye-opening that way. Um, but always really loved the education part of it. Um, and the master's came along a little bit later. Uh, that was kind of just before COVID. Um, and... Um, so added an extra layer <laughs> during the few years of lockdown that we were going through. Uh, so did a lot of that remotely, but was able to pull that through. And uh, it definitely feels like it's one of my my biggest professional accomplishments to date. Oh, that's amazing. And it's crazy because no one talks about nutrition. You brought up the pandemic and we're still not talking about it. I hope that everyone will come out healthier after the pandemic and everyone came out worse and their their limbic system is totally dysregulated because of the trauma but that's another podcast <laughs> that is a that is a lot there's a lot there we could talk about for sure <laughs> yeah right so one thing that i think is so cool about you is that you have this naturopathic degree you have the masters yet you're in this marketing kind of spot too so i i guess i want to pick your brain a little bit on the the pros and cons of like natural food and 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 all of that because we're seeing these companies kind of catch on to it and, and they even do a lot of greenwashing where greenwashing is, it says on the package, GMO, you know, calorie free, just kidding, not calorie free, but you know, it's saying <laughs> like all natural. GMO, yeah. Free, all natural. And it's, it's not. So they're playing on our heartstrings because it's still packaged food, but you know, they're making money and they see it's kind of like a cash cow if they do this. And some companies are legit but then they get bought out by the big companies. And then I'm like, do I trust them? So could you go in a little bit about what you've seen, like goods and good and bads? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if we'll give the exact answer. I mean, I'll give you a few perspectives here. I think that when I, I think that when I entered this space and actually even this sort of predates when I was working in research. So, you know, through high school, I actually worked in health food stores. So actually that was my first real exposure, you know, stocking shelves in my local health food store. And there was like that smell to those like small independent health food stores that I think a lot of people know who were like going into them many, many years ago. And I think that I myself, like, like many, uh, and I'm just going to say young women, um, kind of went into it with, with this idea of like, I wanted to eat cleaner. I wanted to, you know, I, at the time I had, I had pimple acne. I had some digestive complaints, you know, again, it was very, I, I was on my own quest to optimize my own well-being. And I would say that probably through a lot of the early 2000s, especially during my schooling, and I was learning, you know, hypoallergenic diets, dairy-free, anti-inflammatory diets. And again, I say all this with you know, there's a, there's a merit in, in all these things. And I have seen some of the pendulum swing a bit far, you know, where there's a lot of restriction and a lot of fear around certain foods and, and or ingredients. But your point is, I think what you're touching on, it's like now it's been commercialized and consumerized 
this idea, I think that hopefully started with this idea of, you know, eating whole real food. Now it's like, it's, it's like it's being brought into brand and people are using it as sort of a, or weaponizing it in a way. And, and so now people are just looking for these key words and feeling that that creates a value about the food, right? Like if it has X, Y, and Z on it, then it's like good for me, or I should, like you said, it's still a lot of it's packaged. Um, so yes, being on the, so when I kind of came into the industry, I came in more on the education side. I was really working to support brands in elevating their messaging and to be very honest, to um, approach marketing with integrity, to sort of say, you know, how can we speak truth in marketing and talk about our products in an honest way? You know, we're going to talk about omega-3s, like how do we talk about it in a scientifically accurate way to maintain our reputation, to work within the regulatory guidelines and, and, you know, inform consumers Uh, and as where I sit now on the marketing, as you can see, it kind of goes towards that. And people in brands, um, in my experience, as they fairly should and do, you know, they want to push that boundary um, and respond to what consumers want. So there's always that dance between, you know, creating the opportunity on the brand side and then, you know, customers or potential customers responding to it. So, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the good is the industry has in its most in the most generous way, I would say the industry has created um, a lot of um, options for people, for many, for individuals to find more foods that work for them. You know, again, quinoa pasta was like really hard to come by. Even almond milk was really hard to come by a long time ago. So people who had to follow or wanted to follow certain dietary diets, you know, it was quite hard for them to do that. So I think it's made... In some ways, it's made it more accessible. In other ways, it's still a privileged space. It's not always financially accessible to everybody. So there's that angle as well. And I think it's also, um, it's created opportunity in a lot of products. And it's also spread some misinformation or disinformation because it doesn't always, because it does it through the lens of marketing. So it's not always giving people the right information. So I hope that answer was not too rambling, but I think that it's a mixed bag, just like every big industry is. So there's good, there's pros, there's cons. And um, I just always encourage families, humans to try to find reputable sources to get their information from. And that's really, um, that is like the, the big, the big quest. Yes. And that, that's why I'm doing this podcast. And I really like to discuss things because there is a lot of false information out there and you have to be careful, you know, what are they trying to sell you kind of thing, or is it really nutritious? And reading the labels is just the most important thing you can do is, is read the labels. And that's when you see that greenwashing. Oh, it happens to me in Costco all the time. And it's happened to my husband a lot and he won't read the labels carefully and he'll bring it home. And I'll be like, we have to return that has canola oil in it. And um, he's like, but the front looks so good. And it said like gluten-free and like organic. And I'm like, but it has seed oil. So I just, you know, not that we don't go out to eat and stuff. It's just, I don't want that in my house if I can, but exactly what you were saying about if it has that label, like gluten-free, you know, cookies, you know, just because they're gluten-free doesn't mean that they're going to be nutritious for us. And that's, that's a big, um, it's a hard thing, especially when you're transitioning people from 
eating gluten, eating junk food off to maybe better, you know, in the gluten trees, maybe it's better. It doesn't have glyphosate. It's not going to activate zonulin and activate that leaky gut. Um, but, you know, so it's kind of stepping, stepping stones here. And that's why, you know, you have to take each patient and client individually, like, you know, where, where are they at in their health journey? Cause we're all at different points. So, um, I, I did, we were talking before and you mentioned that you worked for a goat formula company mm-hmm. and I think our listeners would really just love, I want to hear about goat formula. Like I was blessed to, you know, I'm still breastfeeding my three-year-old. I was able to make a lot of milk and donate some also. Oh and that's gosh, what I that's amazing. Oh, it was so, it was such a blessing. It was like, so like I was crying, like one of the mothers brought me flowers. Like I just, and I'm just like, I'm so happy I can share this with you because I worked night shift. So I was right. pumping and I would just like have lots of milk. So I, yeah, I was very, very, I was just very blessed. I was able to do that. And with, with that, like going back to, you know, formula breast milk is, I always get that question. So many women, what formula is good? Because if you look at conventional formula, it's high fructose corn syrup solids or corn syrup solids are first. And that I just can't imagine what that is doing to the gut microbiome and the liver. So I recommend patients go on the human milk for human baby sites and milk sharing. And that's where I donated mine. I gave them Mm. a list of all my labs if they wanted it. Um, but go formula that is, an option also. So tell us a little bit about, about like your experience working for the company and what company it is and all of that. Yeah, of course. I'm going to do something a little um, funky first. I'm just going to plug in my computer because I just got to notice that it's so sorry to break the fourth wall, but I just do need to do that really quickly. You're okay. You're okay. We'll show, we'll show the cat. Oh, here's So interesting fact about cats and breastfeeding. So um, bougie, cats can breastfeed without their ovaries. So she was spayed and she was able to to breastfeed after because she had to have emergency surgery. So I just, well, the whole experience with bougie and her pregnancy and stuff, it was just like, I am not a veterinarian. This is totally different. Cat. Cats have um, a bicornate kind of uterus, so they have like goes like this, and I'm just like, it was very humbling to me because like I know everything about you know what to do in a person situation, but you know pets and cats anyway. But but I thought that was interesting. That's right, fascinating. So, so yeah, so I um, you know as I, I mentioned briefly, so I had been working in the natural supplement space mostly in education, and um, there was a new company. Um, I'm happy to give the name. It's called Cabrita. They were a Dutch company and they were thinking of launching into the United States. So myself and my uh, Ramp co-founder, Simona Irwin, were part of the, the founding team essentially of Cabrita's launch into the United States. And um, you know, going from dietary supplements to formula, I didn't think it would be as big of a jump. It was a big jump because I'm sure as you can appreciate, and as I'm sure your listeners can appreciate, formula is contentious. You know, um, I think there's a lot of feelings around it, around um, breast versus formula, around what type of formula ingredients, as you alluded to, the some of the practices of the formula companies many over the last many, many years, what they've done, what's ethical. But it was a challenge, you know, so there's a lot there. There's a lot. And, you know, I think I approached it very much the way I did with my education work in dietary supplements and what I hope to do now, which is 
you know, you asked about formula and I, I, I a hundred percent agree with you. There's certain ingredients that in my mind may not be suitable for all babies. And I always like to say like the best formula is the one that's working for a baby, your baby, right? If a parent has a baby that needs or wants to use formula and it's working well for them, like that is the best formula because I think it's so loaded and it's so hard. (laughs) So I think that that is great. And, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, and I worked and supported a goat milk formula for almost eight years. And so in my mind, there's um, some advantages for a lot of babies uh, with a goat milk, goat protein based option, because it um, is broken down faster, is digested more quickly. Um, it, um, yeah, again, it has a, a protein profile that's a little bit closer to that of breast milk. So uh, what I observed and what we heard from a lot of families was that it was really well tolerated. And I think it's a very common experience for parents to um, see their child appear to be uncomfortable or in discomfort or fussy. And so there's a lot of ways that parents try to solve that. Of course, you can wait it out. You can massage. You can move, again, if you're on a cow milk formula to a partially hydrolyzed or a fully hydrolyzed formula. Um, And I think that's where, you know, a goat milk option comes in. Plus it was European. um, And so, you know, I think a lot of parents acknowledge and know that there are some different standards or historically there were a lot of different standards when it came to guidelines and, and regulations and some of the standards. So, you know, there was a lot of reasons why I think we felt that that was a really wonderful option to present to American families. Um, but it was it was wonderful, you know, supporting all families depending on their needs. And so I, I felt very humbled by it. Um, and ironically, uh, I had not used formula with either of my babies who are now big babies. Um, so I had a lot of education as well to learn. Like I had a lot to learn about the experience of a parent who was un, was unable to induce lactation or had had a mastectomy or didn't want to breastfeed. So that was really interesting for me. It, it is such a heated topic. It's kind of like, it's that would be hard to market to. And if you look at the history of formula feeding, it's really crazy how they went in there to hospitals and yep. marketed and put it in pediatrician's office and... Yeah, there was some shady stuff, which we've seen before in the pharmaceutical company. And I, I think it's so similar. Um, yeah, that that would be another topic, too. But my biggest concern is when you look at the back of the formula, the first ingredient is corn syrup solids, you know, and we know corn syrup is not good. So this is why, you know, women do realize that and they want another option. So what what's like the first ingredient in the goat formula? Yeah, so... I mean, whether we're talking about a goat or a cow milk formula, you know, I think most people would agree that for babies who don't, for example, have something called galactosemia or for babies who don't have a diagnosed or confirmed cow milk protein allergy, the first ingredient for most babies should, and I always put should in quotation marks because really there should, there's no real shoulds in life, but ideally for most babies, it would be lactose, right? That's the primary carbohydrate in breast milk. And so that's really what, you know, we'd be, parents would be looking for, um, again, unless their child has an underlying health concern and they're steered towards something else. So, you know, that, that, um, just again, almost as a, not to say as a public health, public service announcement, but, you know, I will say, um, the formula is, that are designed for babies with allergies, like cow milk protein allergy, they will have corn syrup solid as the first ingredient because lactose can have trace amounts of cow protein. So those babies can't have lactose. 
Um, so again, if a parent has a child who has that diagnosis, then if they're on a hypoallergenic um, or amino acid-based formula, it will not have lactose. And that's okay, because that's not what that's not okay for their child. So I also just want to kind of add that in there, that that's, um, that's just important for parents to know, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that, you know, also making sure there's no GMOs in the product is also important. So mm-hmm. I think that just for women to be more informed, same thing, read, read the labels. And I think that's one thing that's really hard for parents is that, you know, they just do what the doctor says and trust them and you need to read the labels and you need to do your own research too. So, um, you know, no formula is going to be a hundred percent perfect. I have not seen one that is a hundred percent perfect, but getting it as close as you can. So, so that's one thing. So I'm looking at the ingredients now and that, you know, they have some prebiotics in it and, um, you know, lactose is the, the first ingredient, but it's not those, those proteins, but there is, there are some seed oils in this product, you know? So it's like, they all have, they all have that though, too. So it's trying to mimic, you know, the breast, the breast milk is tough. So that's, it's really interesting though, because there there is a lot going into, to making these products and they're not always going to be perfect. If you're trying to mimic what we should be getting in our diet from, from food. And even now we can't get what we need in food because the soil is monocropped. So it's, it's kind of like you're chasing your tail, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, if I can try to find a through line or a thematic through line, you know, cause you, you mentioned the pharma industry and we talked sort of talking around the formula industry and then even the natural product industry, there's this like sweet spot, which I think is pretty hard to always be in where you're like educating, but not scaring and not put like, you know, parents want to be informed. I'm sure you can appreciate on your side or my past role, like as a healthcare provider, you, you know, you're doing the best what you can for your patients and then patients and then parents, let's not call them patients, even human parents. And then they talk. And so you don't want people walking around feeling scared to make choices yeah. and you want, and so you, you know, again, it's, you want parents, I've, I've always felt whether I was working again with dietary supplement companies many years ago or in the formula industry or in this current space that I'm in right now, I know I feel my best when I feel informed and I feel empowered. And so my, I feel like and at the risk of sounding really cheesy, it's like if I can help empower people to make choices that are right for them, because the choice that's right for you may not be the right as same as for me, I think there's general aspirational goals that we all should have nutritionally. But again, every household's really unique, whether it's because of their family culture or their financial means, et cetera. There's so many new, so much nuance there, but I think that that's the through line for me professionally. And I, and I just, I do respect healthcare providers like yourself or companies that that's the, the mission. Uh, I think that's the idea. We don't want to scare people into making choices. We want them to feel empowered. So I have a lot of respect for parent p- people who are doing that. And I, and that was sort of part of Simone and our, our goal with, with this sort of latest business that we've developed. Yes, absolutely. I always say facts and faith over fear because definitely fear, if you're scared about everything you're eating, you're not going to digest anything. Totally. Yeah. And again, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Let's, let's switch topics a little bit and talk about 
um, nutrition with children. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying, how every family is different, right? Um, sometimes I feel like I'm a restaurant. If like my kids start <laughs> picking at what I'm eating and they all want different things. And I'm like, no, here. So we're getting back into the routine with the school year. And I have the calendar out for dinner. And I, I give people on Sunday, I'm like, okay, if you guys have any ideas, you can give me input. Cause once it up, it's up, it's up. And we try, you know, not to sway from it, but granted, like we're going to be doing a labor day party, you know, and eating out. So it's like, they, they get to eat out and stuff, but for my sanity, I'm trying to get school year back into the swing of things, but you know, I, I can't make everything that I want to make, or I really like, I really like salmon cakes, but I don't have them every week, you know, cause my one son, Declan, doesn't really like them. He'll eat one with a lot of ketchup. But yeah, it's it's really hard with kids. Um, it's hard to know that they're getting the right nutrition. And we try to do the best we can at our house. And, you know, it's hard to not compare. But sometimes I do. I look at some families that are eating junk food all the time. But then I look at some families and I'm like, your kids will eat all of that. That's amazing. Like you're amazing. I love that your kids, you know, like fermented vegetables. Mine don't, they'll drink two of them will drink kombucha, but the other two won't. So what's going on with all of this and what trends have you found with your masters and all, all of that? Yeah, no, I think it's like a constant moving target. And, you know, I did speak to somebody who's been in the I guess, you know, I guess she would say she's more in the intuitive eating space, but, you know, again, I, I do, and I do feel like this was a big part of the master's work, uh, was around dietary pattern. So it's not like, you know, I know I'm myself and probably a carryover from my own, you know, some of the foods that I try not to have myself or in excess, cause I enjoy all foods, but, you know, you know, like my mother-in-law came this weekend and she made cheesecake with my children and she made brownies with my children and she made like a peach crumble and it's, you know, and she, she puts them all out for dessert. And I'm just like, one is plenty, you know, like, come on, like, who do you, first of all, like cheesecake of all the things, you know, That's and it's lot. like, it's, it's, it's like, well, we could do another episode on that. But I mean, you brought up intuitive eating, but sometimes if your gut microbiome, you know, if it's imbalanced, your body's saying that it wants something that it should not have, you know, you uh, see that a lot with sugar. The first thing that I thought of about your mother-in-law, um, was maybe she has candida overgrowth. (laughs) Well, I think, yeah, that is, that is, I love my mother-in-law, but that is possible. I think she, you know, in my most, uh, how do I say this? She's making memories with my children. And I think that is to me probably, despite despite any concerns I have about this excess, you know, I think I can, I kind of landed in like, it's a lovely thing to do with your grandmother. And if that, I have a 15 year old and a 13 year old who are willing to do that with their grandmother and take time and and be helpful and do it lo- lovingly. To me, that was like the, this, the headline, you know, even though my first headline was crap, too much sugar. And I kind of quickly was like, Annie, get perspective that's not what the lead is here. Yeah. Right. Um, even though I, yeah, it does. It does. In the same way. And it's, it's like, if it's not every day, right. Like I, I know this I was have a some special friends. occasion. Yeah. 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 Yes, exactly. Like I have some friends where they're, they're 
in-laws or parents live in town. So it's like, they're always giving them sugar. And so my parents, they live three hours away and we, we joke and we call it the sugar shack because they, yes. there's this one candy store that they like to take the kids to. They get it's special molded chocolate. It's, it's not like really clean chocolate, but it could be worse, you know, and it doesn't mm. have food dyes at least, but they, they take them there. And, you know, we went to the rodeo and they got everyone little cow, cowboy, like horse chocolates and, you know, or like if you do s'mores or something, you know, like you said, it's in perspective. So we keep it, our non-negotiable is gluten-free just because my autoimmune history and now it's dye-free because of Emery's health, um, yeah. breathing problems that we've had. Um, but other than that, yeah, we go out for ice cream probably too much than we should, but <laughs> we go to a spot that I, I know is cleaner than another spot, you know? So I think like you said, it, it's, it's memories. We don't want to cause eating disorder in our no. kids by being restrictive. So I let my kids eat snacks, but they eat a cleaner version of them. Yeah. You know, but, but so, no. so what, um, so you, you, you have these three desserts and <laughs> everyone did fine with it because they're overall healthy. They, you know what? They all did fine. And, you know, because we had so much, we gifted some to our neighbor and, you know, my son is doing his bronze. And so he took some brownies to share with the group today. So like, it's not just all staying in my house. I know it's not just going to be for everyone to consume. And I know uh, my mother-in-law does not live in town. So I knew it was a special occasion, you know, but you had asked about sort of broad strokes, you know, child nutrition or teen nutrition. But again, if I just say, you know, ages three to 18, let's just say, you know, I think there are some big trends and I think, you know, we've kind of been alluding to it, which includes obviously refined sugar. And a lot of that's coming from sugar sweetened beverages. So we know that that is a big, a big doozy for a lot of families. Can we pause and talk about Starbucks? Sure. Oh, let's, let's do it. Yeah, or no, like, let's not call them out by name. Let's talk about the co- let's talk coffee shop. Let's talk about and- a coffee shop. Yeah. Okay. So there's this coffee shop that's really popular and <laughs> this is just like, oh my gosh, first of all, it's moldy coffee probably. And the other thing, oh, my hearing just came out. The other thing is that I am seeing in my office a really scary trend of younger and younger girls being insulin resistant mm. and this is going to lead to PCOS. It's going to lead to fertility issues. And this, I, you know, when I talked to my daughter about it, I'm like, it just really scares me because we get it for as a treat. Like we were at Cedar point and she's like, you know, I don't want to play arcade games. Can I get a Starbucks? And she gets a chai tea latte with coconut milk. And I'm like, okay, because I don't want to restrict her. And then her like binge, you know, when she gets her driver's license and goes, you know, every day, but Mm -hmm. it's like this, like, it's like just this like cool thing to have girls, you know, well, with the Lululemon bags, you know, they're in. So she has one of those and then their coffee drink and the other. And it's all these like Frappuccinos, which, oh, my gosh, if they were wearing a continuous glucose monitor, I just spiky, spiky, spiky. And and that's like, you know, we have to talk to the kids about this because these things weren't around when we were growing up. Right. Like, I mean, there was like ices and stuff, but. It wasn't, it just, I don't think there was as much sugar in our faces, right? You know, I don't have the facts on that because I do know, and I will say in my household, you know, my, both my parents worked and my brother and I would come home and devour like several rows of Chips Ahoy cookies. So I know that there was that, that was happening, you know? So uh, 
you know, I I don't know. I actually don't know the stats on absolute sugar. I, I agree with you, though. Anecdotally, it appears as though there's a lot more at the fingertips, whether it's these frappuccinos or caffeinated pre-workout drinks or whatever it is, because that's sort of, I'm not seeing, you know, my, my older son is not getting coffee, you know, sweetened coffees, but there is these sort of sweetened other drinks. So I, I think oh, that's a huge source, but I think- drinks. Yeah. The energy drinks. Yeah. He yeah. does a lot of sports. So there's a lot of that stuff happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do think it's coupled with, and, I, and I'm not saying this, I, I'm saying this is sort of backed by by data. There is an overwhelmingly like low intake of um, insufficient fiber that a lot of these kids are having. So mm. whether that's coming from not eating enough whole grains or not enough fruit and vegetable intake or legumes, but, but again, so, you know, you mentioned the sugar monitor, the, the glucose monitor. So again, we know that there's certain, um, nutrients that will buffer or offset these like really rapid rises in blood sugar. And, you know, fat is one of them, protein's one of them, fiber is one of them. So, um, the fact that a lot of these kids is not, they're not getting enough fiber. It just makes for these big, big, <laughs> steep spikes and, uh, and then they crash and they just don't feel full as long as they could or should be feeling. They're on that roller coaster. Not a fun one. Not a fun, not a fun one fun. and probably exacerbated or uh, maybe not exacerbated. Maybe that's not the right word, but also um, they're already hormonally <laughs> fluctuating quite a bit, especially, as, you know, I'm not talking about three-year-olds here. I'm talking more about, you know, 10, 11, 12 to 19-year-olds. And so again, when you get the blood sugar and insulin kind of bouncing around, you know, that also can contribute to what, you know, I'm sure many parents would recognize as hanger or moodiness or fatigue or, you know, difficulty waking up in the morning. So there's, you know, blood sugar balance and feeling satiated and fuller longer can go a long way to stabilizing a lot of the behaviors that parents report and see as their kids are getting older. Now, it's not a cure-all. It's not going to change your teen's personality. There's a lot developmentally that they're going through regardless that, you know, a little fiber is not going to fix. But but again, these are all, you know, pieces where, you know, you're talking about how do we best support our kids? And again, you know, obviously nutrition is 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 foundational. Right. Cause you're adding in phones and social media and stress. And then these poor kids went through the pandemic and lockdown and I can't imagine. So that's going to affect their cortisol. So everything is going crazy. So yes, keeping their blood sugar, trying to keep it as balanced as you can is just going to set them up for success. And yeah, so the fiber, fiber is important. So definitely not getting enough of that. Um, I, I remember we had a friend over and she was like 12 at the time, a friend of one of my kids. And we, we were, it was a Friday night. We got like gluten-free cauliflower Marco's pizza crust. And then I, I usually will steam a side of vegetables in the Instapot and we steam peas or I was like asking, I'm like, what do you guys want? Like broccoli, green bean or peas. And she was like, I've never had peas before. Wow. And I'm like, cool. You get to try them. I'm like, mm-hmm. and she liked them. And I was just like, I said to my husband, I'm like, I can't believe she's never had peace before, but we, we forget. And this is why it's important to talk about this, to talk to other parents, to maybe encourage when you have kids over, like what's a home cooked meal, you know, and, and talk about vegetables or, you know, I always have my kids, they, they always, they have to eat vegetables at the meals, you know, even if it's just one, even if they don't like it, you know, just, just one, I just tell them, you know, like a piece or two of broccoli, they, 
sometimes though, you know how kids are, they're so, they're hit or miss. Like sometimes they'll eat 10 servings of green beans and sometimes they'll, it'll, there'll be leftover green beans. So, um, and that's them probably filling nutritional voids and stuff. So it's interesting, but yeah, I, I just, I don't think that there's a lot of emphasis on vegetables for children anymore, unfortunately, and vegetables are kind of villainized too. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's unfortunate, but, um, definitely we need to pay attention and explain to our kids why we want them to eat it instead of just saying you need to. And I think talking about nutrients, fueling our body, getting stronger, building more muscle, you know, you can excel at sports better. Your brain can handle, you know, math quizzes better. So using that positivity, I I think helps when, you know, with my experience raising my kids, even though we are not perfect by any means. No, no. And I think that, you know, in our household, um, again, I think every day is like, we're just all trying our, our best. You know, I think we, I think there's been also some interesting research that, um, and I don't, can't think of this source. If I find it, I can follow up with you on it. You know, ultimately, you know, children end up modeling a lot of what they've seen by what their parents do. So even if the child is not taking that piece of broccoli today, if that broccoli keeps showing up over many, many dinners, over many, many years, and parents are choosing it themselves and receptive to it and positive to it, I'm not saying your child, that person, that child will grow up to be a guaranteed broccoli lover, but that normalizing of it and just being part of that, um, the meal options and food options. I think it, it, you know, again, I think it's very typical that ultimately into adulthood, you know, kids end up coming back to a lot of what feels comfortable and comforting to them, right? It's why a lot of families, um, you know, culture, food is such a big part of cultures, right? Yeah. Well, hopefully my kids will take after me and not my husband. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I hope they take after my husband. He's a way better cook than I. So, oh my gosh. Well, I'm not talking about cook. I'm talking about eating. No, I'm I'm joking. I I joke about my husband a lot, and he likes that. He he does okay. He does okay. He's fine. But um, but yeah, I, I tend to eat more more vegetables, especially vegetable, you know, I love broccoli. It helps me detox estrogen, you know, it's so it's so good. So I love talking about that stuff. And sometimes um my seven-year-old especially, he'll just like repeat stuff that I say. So I've kind of been talking to him about like the order of eating food. And so now he always, so when we go to Mexican restaurants, they just like to get grilled chicken and fries, which is Mm -hmm. hilarious because we're at a Mexican restaurant. So he always eats his chicken first and then he eats his French fries. (laughs) So he's like, look, I'm eating in the right order. And I'm like, you are, but it's, it's like you said, you know, they'll model you, they'll pick up on what you say. They're always listening and they're always watching they are. And I think that I'm trying, and this is like more psychological, less like practical, you know, again, my journey as my kids have gotten older, and I, I'm sorry, I don't know how old your oldest is now, um, is like that trust piece that, you know, again, I'm not saying that the parenting is done far from it. There's a lot of parenting to do daily, but again, it's, you know, there's a lot of hands-on parenting for many years. And now that my kids are older, there's, you know, I'm here, I'm, I'm, I'm a guide, I'm, I'm supporting you and 
you're making a lot of choices. You're, you're a lot more independent now. Now you think you're more independent than you are, but that's okay. And you know, you're, you're, you, you've got a part-time job. You've got your own money. You're, you could go to the corner store and you could buy whatever you want. And, and I trust that you're going to make choices that serve you and that maybe don't always serve you and that I agree with and maybe I don't agree with. And so I think there's this, like, you can feel, at least I can feel for myself. I'm sort of, you know, straddling this, this period, this really interesting period, which is, I'm sure, you know, so many parents go through, of course, as your child is like, they're just stretching. They're, they're like trying it on. Like, what does it feel like to be more adult? Like, and, uh, it's exciting and it's really scary and it's really, really scary too, but it's super, uh, interesting. It's like, you know, I, part of, you know, why you and I started talking was because Simone and I started this comp- that company that you mentioned at the beginning, Ramp, because we saw a lot of parallels between the rapid period of development, zero to three, from having been in the baby formula space. And again, a lot happens in early childhood. And then all of a sudden, we felt like we were entering this like rapid acceleration again, where things are changing so quickly. And it just reminded us so much of of like early, early childhood. And so we found it really fascinating because again, you're just sort of just like in, you know, there's these growth spurts when you've got this infant and you think you're on a sleep schedule and all of a sudden they stop sleeping or they have a regression or you introduce new food and they have a reaction and you're constantly on your toes. That it evokes the same feeling in my, my mind and body, this stage where every few months it's like got a new flavor. Um, So yeah, that was, that was sort of, part of what we found so specifically interesting about this agent stage. Yeah. And, and like you were saying about the trust and I, I mean, I know my kids are going to fail. I know that they're going to try things and fail and then it's learning from it or, or teaching. And I, I try to teach my kids a lot about their body. Like, so my 15 year old daughter, I try to teach her about her cycle, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, if you're, <laughs> she loves just rice. And I'm like, you know, it's just not good to eat just rice with soy sauce. And she will mix protein in there. And, you know, her friends are just eating like carbs all day. A lot of them that aren't athletes or maybe that are athletes and they're not fat adapted, you know, so they just need that constant sugar burning. So teaching her about her cycle and I'm like, you know, it's okay to eat more rice during your first half of your menstrual cycle. Your body is going to be able to deal with it more, you know, so you won't be as on a roller coaster. So I think that that's important. So I just hope that, you know, when she's in college in a couple of years, that if she's not feeling good from how she's eating, that she comes back and says, how can I turn things around or something? And that's a lot of, you know, patients I see, you know, I, I have some college students and we have to get them feeling better. And a year of pizza and beer can sometimes mess up the gut health, but your body can come back. And that's the, that's the thing. Kids are very resilient. So it this, this conversation is about just supporting them because you're not really going to mess kids up too much unless you just let them drink Pepsi all day and Doritos and eat Doritos, but, um, but they are resilient. So I I think that brings us to like, I want to talk about your company ramp and I've got to try the product. So that was really fun. And tell us a little bit about like, you told us about the why, but I guess a little bit more why you and Simone did this and how you came up with it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks for asking. And I, I, I want to tell you about that. And I just want to say, I, I just want to commend, not 
commend you. I don't mean it. And I hope that doesn't sound patronizing. I just, I feel like the biggest gift that we can give our kids or one of them is also helping them to start to make these connections, you know? So just like that, I love that you just are like talking to your daughter about it. Cause I think that's some parents, I think hold back. They're like, I don't know if I'm going to know the answer, but again, just like, how does your body feel when you drink, eat this? Just like asking, yeah. trying to help them make the connection. So I just wanted to say that I, I love that. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I think I, I started mentioning it. I, you know, our kids, my kid, my kids were getting older. Um, you know, I have two boys and the older one does a lot of sports. He's a, he's a big boy. Uh, he's, he's always been tall for his age. He's quite broad. He, um, is a rugby player. Uh, he does, goes to the gym, he works out. He, he, he's just like a, a solid boy. I guess you can call him that. And so he's always, um, what like, you know, he eats a lot. He eats a lot of what, you know, we make a lot of what I put to be healthy food. Um, but as he was starting to compete at a higher level, he was starting to ask about pre-workout and he was asking about protein shakes. And he asked me, you know, he started saying like, I saw this on Instagram or YouTube or, or TikTok. And I would look at the ingredients and I was like, oh, I'm not into this, but I'm right. like, okay. how many yeah. eggs can I give him in a day? Like how much beef can I give? Like it's, he, he wants, you know, a hit of protein before a big training session or something. Yeah. Sorry, you were going to, well, you were going to say something. Well, no. So the crazy thing is about all of the frustrating thing about the social media space is that we have health influencers and they're saying, or, you know, like CrossFit people or people that like you think would care about their health and they're having protein shakes that have fruity pebbles in them and food mm-hmm. dyes. And it's just, it's so offensive to me because I'm like, people are looking up to you and they're going to buy this junk that, ugh. but anyway, I digress on that. So that, that drives me crazy. But fun fact, I played rugby for a year at Kent no, state. My first- oh my gosh. That's amazing. We've got, yeah. Was some art. Yeah. That's, that's, that's it was, amazing. It was really like rugby. People are a little crazy. I mean, yeah. they kind of have, they, they do. Have. So what, what does he play? Is he a wing or is he in the scrum? He was, he was the prop for playing prop for a long time, but I think now he's flanker. Is that right? He's not, he's not. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, the prop is like the big, just for people who are listening, the prop is like the big person that stops people from getting through. So now that he's 15, he's, I think he grew faster than maybe some of his peers. So he was big relative to his peers, but now he's, he's not, he's not, as big like he kind of just had his growth spurt faster so that's why but I think that's why he's starting to play in more positions now um but he plays on the varsity team at his high school so uh, he still is still with bigger bigger boys um but yeah and I think all his friends are probably having all the junk stuff a hundred percent and there's a real culture of like we work out and we lift heavy and we and because he's been on the varsity team he's been with these older boys as well so I think you know but this was even starting, you know, now he's going into grade 10. This was even starting in like grade seven when he was was wanting to train hard and just sort of, how do I run faster? How do I do all this stuff? And um, and I think that in looking at some of the products with him, uh, what to buy, uh, you know, and then thinking like, okay, well, what would I, what, what, and he's like, well, if you don't like these, what, what, do, what do you think is fine? And I started looking and I'm like, what is fine for a 13 year old? (laughs) Like, what should I buy for my kid? Like, what is the answer here? And it like kind of just hit, I just was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, like I, uh, because sometimes he trains later at night, 
you know, if he has a hard time settling down or winding down for bed and I've given him like magnesium or theanine magnesium GABA combo, but it's marketed to adults and it's like something that myself or my husband would take. And there's nothing in my mind innately wrong with giving it to him. But I was like, whoa, who's supporting the teens, you know? And it was just this sort of like moment of, are these products really curated to their needs? Is it really meeting their needs? I'm, you know, in my kitchen adjusting the dosages based on what I think is correct for his body size. And I'm thinking like... Not everyone can do that though. Yeah. Yeah. And I think about that a lot with me. I'm like, it's so easy for me, you know? And I'm just like, so I always try to put myself in the shoes of someone without medical training. Like, you know, what do they do? And that's why... I teach a lot on it, but, but you're right. People aren't going to just be in there and, Oh, how much magnesium do I give? How much healthy yeah. need? It's, it can be tricky. Yeah. So that was really what started the, the kernel of it. And that's really also was very much in parallel to when Simone and I were having those conversations where I'm saying to her, like, Oh my gosh, every few months, I feel like we're hitting this new stage or like, I want to go, you know, do I have a curfew and what's happening? And, and things were just moving very quickly. And, and I just sort of thought like, you know, we have this industry experience. Um, I have this background in nutrition. I'm kind of making stuff for him anyways. And actually at the same time, Simona was supporting her own kids with this like homemade nighttime drink, um, which really was the inspiration for Ramp Down the Night. And so she was sort of like, you know, handpicking these things. And because I wasn't buying protein smoothie, protein powder for my son, I was like, I'll, I'll make you something. So I'm taking like hemp and I'm taking pumpkin and I'm taking, you know, all these things and I'm mixing it together. And I'm thinking like, this doesn't make any sense. There should be something that is suitable for kids in this age group. And, and, you know, like, as I said earlier in our conversation, this idea of like, if we're feeling this way, other parents of teens must be wondering, you know, and actually we recently did a survey of almost 500 parents just to kind of really refine, like, what are, you know, I, I think I know what, you know, because my age, my kids are in this age and stage, but overwhelmingly, the number one concern that the parents had was nutrition for their kids. That was like number one. And so, yeah, I mean, other things like stress is up there for sure. Immune support, of course. Um, yeah. But yeah, nutrition and healthy growth. It, so I think parents are trying to figure that out and kind of, again, going back to what we talked about earlier, you know when you get those big sugar sweetened beverages, like what can parents do? And it, and again, it is, this is the time kids are starting to spread their wings. They're going to start to fly out of the nest. So are there some small things that we can do, some small habits that we can instill to support them? So we know at least, you know, are they getting something that's going to cover off a lot of good bases in the morning? Or can we give them something at night to help them to wind down? And again, eventually, you know, our, our, we hope our portfolio will grow. So right now, um, we have a smoothie booster in the morning that's going to give them some nice protein, some of that fiber that we talked about earlier, and a whole bunch of wonderful vitamins and minerals that we think kids need. And then we have a drink in the evening that we think helps to um, kids to wind down. Again, it's got that magnesium, that theanine, but we also add things like um, tart cherry, and we add things like collagen because um, it's a nice source of glycine. And we really, again, for the nighttime drink, we wanted something that was free of melatonin. Uh, because increasingly we know a lot of families are using melatonin and relying quite heavily on it. Um, and it may not be something that parents want to be using so regularly with their kids. So it was really important to me to find something that was free of melatonin. Absolutely. And it tastes really good. I love the yeah. ramp down. It's it's blue too. Yes. So it's, 
really fun and it's not, you know, it doesn't have a dye in it. Yeah. So it's great. And and I love, I love L-theanine. Um, I was drinking some matcha earlier Mm -hmm. and L-theanine, it's a naturally occurring, you know, it's amino acid. It naturally occurs in green tea and that's why you can drink green tea and just be chill. You don't have any jitters. So it's, it's really good for sleep initiation. Um, and, and it's, it's safe for kids because it's, an amino acid. So, so it's great. And, and yes, in the morning fiber is important. Um, and protein, protein is so important in the morning because if you start off the day with cereal, they're going to be on this roller coaster and oh my goodness, have you, so the free breakfasts for schools drive me crazy. I went in and I talked with the superintendent and everything about this and the the person that was in charge of all the food at my kid's school district, because my kids weren't eating it, but I'm like, what about these kids that they, they don't get lunch at home, so they have to have lunch at the school. And they're literally, like, giving them, like, sugar food. And I'm like, why can't you do eggs or sausage? And they're like, well, we can't. We had to do away with the hot breakfast because of COVID. I'm like, okay, so you're, you're you know, sugar just suppresses the immune system. Plus, they're not going to be attentive. And then the teacher is going to be like, oh, they probably have ADHD. And then they're going to get started on some, you know, Adderall type medicine for kids. So it's just this like vicious cycle with food. So I think I want to see your product in um, that coffee place we talked about. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. That would be a big win for sure. Yeah. How how cool would that be? That would be awesome. That would be, I mean, I wouldn't say no to that, but just a, a funny like anecdote on that. So uh, our younger son, who just is going into grade eight, uh, again, has never, since he was little, little, has never been a big morning eater. He's just like, you know, takes him a little mm-hmm. while to get going. So again, I think it always balances out. He eats a really good lunch. He's good snacks, good dinner. He's a, He's got a nice, good, a lot of good variety. But again, as the year went on this past year, grade seven, he was like, not even an egg not even toast and peanut butter, like not like really nothing. I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry. Finally, after like a while, I'm like, sweetie, you must be starving at lunch. Like, are you, are you getting enough food? Like, how's the morning going for you? He's like, oh, well, I just eat at school. I'm like, what do you eat at school? He's like, they give, they, they have food for, for people, you know, when we get, when I get there. So this is available to everybody. Uh, and it's like, thank goodness that they, as you, you know, that they make this option available again for kids who maybe can't have breakfast or don't eat breakfast. Uh, and I'm like, so what do they give you? He's like, oh, uh, a Rice Krispie Square <laughs> or a, like a blueberry muffin, but it's like, not like a homemade, it's like a, you know, cake. Let's call it what it is. It's cake or a like chocolate covered, like granola bar or something. And again, all I'm sure very yummy and, and like makes him feel good in that moment. But of course he's not eating my egg in the morning. And I was like, sweetie, you know, and he, he knew, um, that that maybe wasn't the right choice for his body because, but it's really, it's like, you can just, it's like, why wouldn't you? It's like free chocolate bars. Why wouldn't you take it? So my daughter would get them and just like give them to her friends sometimes. Like if they liked it, it was so funny. And she brought a few home to me so I could see what was in them. And the crazy thing is that I think was shady about it all is like your kids could just get it and not without your consent. Yes. I was was surprised because I thought I, I was under the impression that it was a program I thought, sir, I didn't know that it was just available for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. He said, no, they just bring the snacks to the classroom and like during homeroom and everyone just takes it. So 
so I was just, I just, I didn't know. And I was like, <laughs> that's crazy. So in Ohio that ended this year. Oh, so they had it for the past two years because of the pandemic and then it was done. But one thing that, that's positive that I learned is that with some of the snacks that just like for the pop tarts, for example, the pop tarts that they serve in the schools are actually dye free. Oh, okay. So it's like, they're, they're like almost European standards. Cause they showed me the nutrition labels on them. Cause I'm like, what could we do to get in, you know, a little bit better choices. And some of them were better than I thought they would be because they didn't have dyes in them, but they're still, you know, setting them up for a sugar spike roller coaster. But I, yeah. I thought that that was one positive, but you know, I'll take it. Will, I'll take it. <laughs> well, go and talk to your school. So set up a meeting see what they're actually serving the kids in school. And I didn't do it for my kids. I, I wanted to push the needle for other kids and start those conversations and, you know, see if there's anything that, that I could do to help, uh, you know, with my expertise. So it's, you know, go out there and be active, go to school board meetings, all of that. But, but yeah, I mean, you could just keep your home like a nice safe haven of, of food is, what I try to do. And we have like junk food and probably too many snacks, but at least they're the better choices. It, it's such a hard balance. Like I have, um, I have some friends that they just don't keep any crap or snacks in their house, but they have younger kids. Mm -hmm. So I feel like when you're at the point, like where we are with our kids being older, it's, it's different, you know, it's just different. I, I, again, I, I kind of very much like what you said. I don't really want to vilify any foods or ingredients and I want my child to feel like they have a lot of autonomy and choices. And I just want them to feel also like food is food, right? And, and, and also get to know what feels right for them. And again, if I can just go back and, and sort of mention our, our why for ramp, it was, it was like, if I can make something that tastes really good, and my children take it willingly, then at least it's like, I don't want to say it's a check mark on the day, but it's like one great thing. It's, it's like, okay, they've got some vitamin D, they've got their protein, they've got their fiber. Like, again, it's not to say the rest of the day should and could be a wash. Cause I don't even want to think of it as a win lose proposition. And I don't even want to suggest that if they have, you know, Doritos later, that's a bad thing. You know, it, it, yeah, it is what it is. I just love this idea of like, it's, it's like, just add, make great stuff available when you can. That's sort of my motto. <laughs> and so again, for us, it was really about making great tasting products that the kids would like. And again, I think it, it's really hard with teens. I mean, everyone has told us, you know, it's a notoriously finicky market and it's probably in part why nobody has done it. But uh, again, we, you know, our goal is to be really the first nutrition, uh, like teen centered nutrition company. You know, I think there's a lot of companies that offer tween and teen products, but they're not kind of center or central to the company. And again, that's not to suggest they're not making good or decent or reasonably good products, but it's almost like it's one skew out of their many, you know, women's health, PMS, bloating, you know, name their, you know, 15 plus products and they have a teen multi or whatever. I think we want to center tweens and teens because it's such an underrepresented group and it's a long period of time. You know, we're talking 10 to 18, you know, and again, they're not little anymore and they're not adults. And I think they deserve, you know, attention and, and products that are really designed for them. Yeah. And they need the support. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't know about you, but like when my kids like eat food, that's help, like my kids like love, Oh, I need, 
this. Um, so I make chicken barbecue and homemade barbecue sauce with it. And it's really easy with shredded chicken. And I also make with the shredded chicken, some like Buffalo chicken dip. And mm. I don't know, I just get so happy when my kids like, like the nutritious food I make, or like my one son just like gobbles down the salmon cakes. And I like do a little happy dance. And <laughs> it's, I, you know, it's just so good to see your kids eating good, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's like the hardest job to be a parent. So I love that you are out there in this space and not only are you so well educated, you love to educate and you love to just be there for the, the, the teens. So can you tell everyone how to find your company, how to find you on social media, all of that? Yeah, no, I would love, I'd love for people to check us out. I'd love for, to hear from people. Um, so you can come to our website. It's drinkramp.com. That's drinkramp.com. And you can find us on social media. Our handle is at drinkrampco. So uh, again, if you have any product questions, you can always just reach out. Our customer service team is wonderful and super responsive. Uh, we also love to hear from families and get feedback. We already um, have families who have given us feedback on like future flavors. We have a lot of new product ideas of other ways that we can support teen and their common concerns. So again, if we have a, we have a parent who's listening, who says like, oh my God, you need to make this, um, hit us up, let us know we are innovating and we want to disrupt this category and really make a new one. So yeah, really um, excited to work with families. And yeah, I really want to thank you, Dr. Jen, for the opportunity. Yeah, of course. And so Annie was nice enough to give our listeners a coupon code if they want to try out ramp up or ramp down, just coupon code Dr. Jen. And I will put the link to all, you know, to the store and the company website and everything below. So Amazing. thanks again, Annie. It was so nice talking to you. So nice to chat. Thank you so much. This podcast is created and hosted by Jen Flegar and is for informational purposes only. It is not medical advice. This podcast disclaims responsibility for adverse effects from use of information contained in this podcast. This podcast does not promote opinions of their guests as their own and does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests of the show or endorse any qualifications for the guests of this podcast. Guests may have financial disclosures. If you think you have a medical problem, consult your personal physician or team. Thank you for joining.